Hey everybody, this is So Heidi, and you're listening to the Successful Fashion Designer Podcast. We all know that the fashion industry is brutally competitive and it takes loads of hard work to get ahead. The problem is that everyone's secretive and tight-lipped about their ways. After working as a designer and educator for over a decade, I wanted to help break down those barriers and bring you valuable knowledge from industry experts, and this show is exactly where you'll find that. Whether you're trying to break into the fashion world, make yourself more marketable, launch your own label, or become a successful freelancer, we'll help you get ahead in the cutthroat fashion industry. Welcome to another episode of the Successful Fashion Designer Podcast, and this is a really, really phenomenal interview with a woman by the name of Noemi Jewess. Now, Noemi is a very ordinary, everyday person working in the fashion industry, and I don't know if I've mentioned this on the show before, but some of these ordinary everyday interviews are my favorite interviews. Um, the reason why is because they're very relatable. You can you you can get what the person's going through. Uh, I listen to a lot of fashion podcasts that have really big name celebrities on them, and sometimes their stories are are hard to connect with. Well, Noemi is completely different than that. Not to say that she's not gonna be some big celebrity one day, but right now she is in school and she kickstarted her bespoke dress brand while being a student. She's working with clients to create custom made one-off dresses specifically to fit their bodies. Really, really amazing stuff. And she's done this all very organically. She's grown slowly over the years. Everything kickstarted from her making her own prom dress. And, and throughout the years, it's just grown because of all the things that she's done. And Noemi shares her story in this interview. There are so many cool things that have happened to her as a result of the effort that she has put in and the work that she has put in to show her passion and to just take these ideas that are inside her head and inside her heart and put them out to the world. We talk a lot about how sometimes it's just doing the thing and putting yourself out there because you're so passionate and you're so excited about making this design and creating this product that you you just have to do something and that is what can kickstart everything. So for those of you out there listening who maybe are still in school or maybe you're out of school, it doesn't really matter where you are in your career, but you're looking to kickstart something, there is so much value in Noemi's story and everything she shares from how she got started some of her insecurities that she still has. She's very, very upfront and open about some of the challenges that she has in terms of pricing and, you know, kind of managing that side of of the business side of things. But she's making progress and she's had some amazing things happen in the past few years since she's been running her bespoke dress brand, uh, Noe Dresses. So I know you guys are going to love this episode. Very, very relatable story, but still tons of action-packed advice that you can take and apply to your fashion career wherever you are. So thank you so much for listening. Before we jump into the interview, um, quick reminder that SFD is way more than a podcast. Uh, I don't know if you know, but I have tons of books, tutorials, templates, All of it is free on things to help you get ahead in your fashion career, whether it's your portfolio or tech packs or Adobe Illustrator or landing your dream job or launching your fashion brand. I have tutorials and resources for you beyond the podcast. So I don't always mention this on the show uh, and some people 
ask me what more is there than the podcast there is so much more so I want to make sure that you get access to all of those resources here's the best way to do that uh, hit pause on the show right now and visit soheidi.com slash email s-e-w-h-e-i-d-i dot com slash email take 30 seconds and drop your information there and I will deliver you everything that you need all the best free stuff just for my podcast listeners uh, all right If you want to access the show notes for any of the references that we talk about in this episode, scroll down wherever you're listening. And now, without further ado, let's jump into the interview with Noemi. Welcome, Noemi, to the Successful Fashion Designer Podcast. Can you please start out by telling everybody who you are and what you do in the fashion industry? Hi, thank you for having me. Um, I am a third-year business management student at the University of St. Andrews in Scotland, and I currently run a completely custom, unique dressmaking company at my university. So tell us, what does that mean? So I basically, I know how to sew, and I've known for a couple of years now, and A couple of months ago, I decided that I wanted to start selling my dresses. And so I take a client and they, we have a consultation where they talk about the designs that they want, what kind of fabric they want. I'll order, I'll do some research and order some different fabrics um, and samples and they'll look at it. And then with their measurements and patterns that I draft myself, I make them a dress. Okay. So there's so much to dig into there. Yeah. Um, So... What, like, kick-started this whole thing? And you're still in school, so... Yes. Um, which I think is amazing that you've kick-started this while you're also going to school, but, like, how did it really start? It started... Well, it started... I was going way back. I was always a really, really crafty child. I was knitting when I was really younger. I was always, like, scrapbooking and laminating photos and sort of anything I could get my hands on. And I always loved making things that I found on YouTube. So there would be plenty of tutorials. And I sort of got to the sewing corner of YouTube. And I did, and I realized that there were things that I wanted to make that my hand sewing just couldn't do. So when I was in high school, I asked my parents for a sewing machine, which they got me. Um, And this was in my sophomore year of high school. Um, And when I got it, I set myself the goal of making my senior year prom dress. Um, So I just learned through YouTube, really looking at different tutorials, a lot of um, trial and error, and sort of (laughs) taught myself how to sew. Yeah. Um, And so for my senior year, I wore one of my first garments I've ever made, and I wore my own, I guess, bespoke um, prom dress, which was really exciting. Yeah. Um, and then I flew across the world to Scotland to go to university and I decided I wanted to continue sewing. So I bought my second machine there. Um, and fabric in Scotland is quite difficult to find because I live in a very small town. So I resorted to charity shops where I found tablecloths and curtains and, um, secondhand bed sheets and things like that. And I made a lot of my dresses, um, out of, just secondhand pieces and sustainable pieces like that, which is something that I really care about. And um, my university is quite unique because we have a lot of formal events. There are a lot of balls to go to, which are just long dresses, um, a lot of just opportunities to dress up and wear something nice, um, which is wonderful for me because I could um, spend a lot of time making different kinds of dresses. So in January last year, I got to a point where I got, had gotten a lot of compliments on the things that I've made and people sort of was beginning to recognize um, my work. 
And so I decided that I wanted to sell selling dresses. And I started with a really low price and with friends that were willing to sort of um, um, be the testers. Um, and that's sort of where it began. And now I'm, I'm working with multiple clients a month um, and just making dresses for people who want dresses. Um, but I do want to note that I went to fashion school this summer, actually. A couple of months ago, I decided to do a semester at um, a fashion school in Boston because I felt like my skills still were there. I was completely self-taught and I was still making a lot of errors. And I felt as though if I wanted to sell something that I had to have a, a, some sort of professional um, touch to it. And I also wanted to make sure I had some sort of qualifications before I was selling my garments. So that sort of is where it takes me now. Wow. Okay, so so it started out, okay, you're making some dresses for yourself, your prom dress. Yeah. By the way, if you have a picture of your prom dress, you have to send it to me so we can include it in the <laughs> sure. show notes. I would love to see some of these like yes. way back behind the scene pictures. It would yeah. be super, super fun to share with the listeners. Um, and then you kind of grew into like making stuff for your friends, and then it grew into making stuff for clients. Um, yeah. Uh, before we get to that, though, you said you did this fashion program in Boston. I did. In Scotland. Yes, and my home is in Tokyo, so oh I'm a little bit. <laughs> I love. I'm you. a little wow. bit all over the place. Um, <laughs> yeah, so I went to school. I went to a school called the School of Fashion Design in Boston. It's a very small school, okay. but I absolutely loved it. Um, it's quite difficult coming back to university and having to write essays, and I'm so lucky to be able to even afford university. But it's difficult coming back to writing essays and doing research papers when I was making skirts and blouses um, yeah. a couple months ago. Because your degree in, in Scotland has nothing to do with fashion. It's business management, so I'm sort of combining my two, I guess, passions together in my business right now. It's business stuff, but, like, you're not learning anything yeah. specific to fashion. No. Okay. No, I'm not. Okay, just to clarify. Okay, yeah. so, you, so this program in Boston. Tell us a little bit about yeah. the program. Um, it was really intensive because it's um, a semester, actually. So they take a 15-week semester and they squish it into 10 weeks. Um, and I took the maximum amount of classes that I could take. Um, and so I just spent a lot of hours staying after classes, coming before classes, um, working on garments. I took a pattern making class, a construction class, a sketching class, all level one. And I also took a couture detail class, which was just how to make really, really pretty garments and embroidery and embellishments and how to do clean finishes, which were all taught by professionals and people who owned studios and made their own bespoke pieces. Wow. So it's very, very hands-on. Very hands-on. Um, probably the hardest I've ever worked in my life. Wow. All crammed into 10 weeks. Yes. Um, so we made patterns for a skirt and a blouse, and we also made the skirt and a blouse. I made a nine-piece collection in my sketching class, um, and I made a corset in my couture detail class. Wow. Okay, and so when was this? Just this past summer of 2019? Yes. Okay. Yep. Okay, so this was very recent. Yes. Um, and, and so then you went back to Scotland, and you and is that at which point you said I feel comfortable maybe trying to sell my services to clients? Yeah, I actually started selling my first client. Well, my very, very first client was, was my sister's um, ball dress maybe two years ago. Okay. Um, but my first proper client was in January of this year. But working with my first client, I realized that I still lacked 
confidence and I like the skills. And that's why I decided to go um, yeah. to fashion school. And then I think I had one client during school um, for a friend back home. But then, yeah, I think um, the most recent ones have been after fashion school. Okay. And where are you finding these clients? Like you said, you're working with multiple clients a month. Where do these people come from? Um, they're friends. Uh, this university is quite small, so getting a sort of word about yourself around isn't too difficult. Okay. Um, the first client, I think she was in my class in freshman year. Um, I've got some other clients that I just know, and they're friends of friends, and people have sort of heard about it. Um, I've been, I have a Facebook page and an Instagram page and a website. So that's sort of how the, I think, um, word sort of gets around. Okay. And so they come to you and it, what does the process look like? They have an event that they're going to and they want something made or what, is, what usually happens? Yeah, that's usually what it is. Um, I have like a, like a free consultation booking page on my website. Um, they book a consultation. We talk about what kind of designs they want. Um, and yeah, it sort of goes from there. And it all just snowballed from you making some stuff for yourself and then for friends and then talking yeah. about what you were doing amongst your peer group within yeah. the school you're at in Scotland. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's really important to note, though, that I did go to a lot of events. And these events aren't necessarily that expensive. Um, just a lot of in my hall of residences will have like a ball every year. So that was something to go to. And every single time, um, I probably go to maybe five events a year. And every single time I wore something that I made. Wow. So. Yeah. It got to a point where it became a thing, um, where people would come to events knowing that I made something and be like, look at her, like she made um, <laughs> her dress from scratch. Or like, you know, she's currently wearing a tablecloth that she turned into a dress. Yeah. And I've got some lovely friends who always introduce me to new people and say, can you believe she made that? Um, and sometimes, you know, drunken bathroom girl talks. <laughs> <laughs> Someone will go, I love your dress. And I'm like, thank you, I made it and it has pockets. And they're like, what? Um, so, and it just starts yeah. from there. Yeah. That's amazing. Peop yeah. People have been asking me sort of like, when are you going to start taking clients? I'd love to purchase a dress from you. So when I first um, put out the word that I was taking clients, um, it wasn't very difficult getting a lot of people sort of on board. Wow. That's amazing. Now, Thank you. yeah, congratulations. It's it's I mean, you I mean, you sound like a very hard worker, so and you're fitting this all in yeah. while you're also going yeah. to school full-time. Are you full-time? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Um, you emailed me and you told me something pretty exciting. Can I share? Do you remember what I'm referencing? Yes. Yes, the funding. Yeah, tell, you got some yes. funding. Tell us about that. Congratulations. Thank yeah. you so much. I got my first funding a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, um, tell us all about that. Extremely exciting. So I knew about this funding for quite a while. It's part of an event, an all-week event at my school called Enterprise Week. And it's basically where there are a bunch of different events for sort of student entrepreneurs, um, people who want to build businesses um, while still being at school. They um, attend events where different student entrepreneurs will speak. They'll have different people from, you know, places to talk talk about their experiences of um, building a business either in school or after school. And part of that week, there is a pitch funding um, that you can pitch, basically pitch an idea to. Um, I had known about it because last year, a year ago, I took a class um, called Entrepreneurship and Creativity which was a completely coursework-based class. There was no exam. And basically the entire course was building a business. So you would start, you would be in a group of about 67 people and you would build 
like a project or a business and um, donate the profit to charity or keep it up with yourself. And we had actually pitched for an idea that we had um, last year and got a little bit of money. We did like a vintage pop-up shop where we bought some vintage clothing from different places and resold it at a place for students to have. So um, I knew about that since then. And then I had been talking to the person who was running it for a couple of months before the pitch. And I was like, I was telling her, you know, I really, really want to pitch for um, my business. It's really taking off and I would love to invest in some good machinery and things like that. Um, and she said, yeah, so go for it. So she gave me a lot of advice. I talked to a lot of different people and the maximum amount that we could pitch for was a thousand pounds, which I think is about $1,300. Yeah, roughly. Yeah, and so um, I pitched for that amount. I think I was one of the only people who was pitching for that full amount. A lot of people pitched for 500 pounds, 300 pounds for different projects. And yeah, I got a thousand pounds, which was super exciting. Wow. I think, yeah, getting funding for your business obviously is a really, really wonderful thing. But the fact that a panel of judges and people who work in um, those kind of like entrepreneurship um, groups believe that my business has a potential to grow with this funding really, really means a lot. Yeah. What did you talk about in your pitch? I sort of talked about what the business was, how much it meant to me, how much I think it could influence um, different people at my university. And then I sort of talked about what I wanted to spend my money on. So I'm really looking into buying an industrial sewing machine. I use industrial sewing machines at school this summer and coming back to a home machine really feels like playing with a toy. Yes. Um, and since I'm sewing, you know, a couple hours a day, almost every day, um, having an industrial sewing machine was really something that I've been looking forward to. And I also pitched for, I think, just big tape, these big um, pattern making tables because I'm currently working on the floor of my apartment and my back is aching. <laughs> um, and yeah, just different tools to pay for my website and things like that. Okay, so you, you just told them the backstory, told, showed them your passion, and then you told them how yeah. you would use the money. Yeah, and okay. I guess they believed in me. <laughs> yeah, clearly they did. You got it. Yeah. Um, um, well, huge congratulations. Yeah, that's, Thank so did you. you. Did you buy your industrial machine yet? Not yet. So I've been calling different places. Um, I'm getting a Juki one, so I'm okay. trying to see which local places will be the cheapest to get delivered and things like that. But I'm... Yeah, I'm currently in the midst of my research, but I should be getting it soon. That's very exciting. Um, how do you find the time to do this? Because you're in school full-time, and then you just said you sew, like, at least a couple of hours every day. Um, where, where do you, what do you give up to find time to do this? Sleep or social? <laughs> sometimes, definitely yeah. sometimes. Um, I think it really, really all, is all about time management and... I don't know. I mean, last year I really gave up on sleep and my social life completely because I was doing a lot. I was working with my first clients. Um, I also do a lot of costume work. So that's not paid at all. So I'll do. I'll be making a lot of costumes for shows that are going on at my university. I'm currently the costume officer of my university's performance fund, which means I've got like meetings to go to. Um, and... I help other students um, do costume work, and I'm also still making costumes. But it really is, I think it's, it's about finding the time to do it if you really do want to do it, and it's something that I'm extremely passionate about. So it just comes down to doing my work, eating and trying to stay healthy, sleeping enough, sleeping enough and 
really just not procrastinating. But it doesn't become that difficult when you're really, really passionate about it. I think that's what it is. Um, yeah, I've talked about this concept with other uh, guests on the podcast, and it's almost like you can be so busy with all these things, but this other thing is like almost an extension of your being, and you can't yeah. not do it. You just have to do it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It sounds like that's exactly what's happening for you, and then you also find time to do even more stuff on top of that with all the costume work yeah. that you do. That's amazing. Thank you. Yeah, it's just... I don't know. I don't. I don't just. I don't know how I would live without doing it. Yeah. So. So um, I want to talk a little bit more about how you work with some of your clients because I think that right. this is such a great way to sort of kickstart something, whether you ultimately you know launch your own collection or maybe you do custom work forever, which is amazing. Like, I'm, and, and we'll get to that. I want to talk about you know what you're sort of thinking for the long run, but for right now, I think this is such a great step to to getting started and so um and i think people out there listening might feel the same way about their idea um so how do how did you figure out like how to actually work with these people and like the pricing and how to deal with i don't know all the logistics of like having a client that you're making a custom garment for what does that actually look like yeah so it's a lot of anxious feelings <laughs> um I get very very nervous because obviously they're my friends but they're also clients and they're paying money for the service and this product so I want to give them as much of a professional product product and service as much as I can um it really is just trial and error and my first client was a really really good friend of mine and she was lovely with it and I kept apologizing I'm so sorry I was late or I'm so sorry I couldn't figure it out and we had too many fittings for a bespoke piece <laughs> but it really is figuring it out and I think I'm still on my way to get there but I think when I get to a place where I feel very confident about it then that's when I'll be the most professional and I'll come off as if I know what I'm doing um Sorry, what was the other question? I mean, it was really just like, how are you figuring out how to work with these clients? And it sounds like it's really just trial and error. I mean, are it you... It absolutely is. Yeah. Are you... Um, I mean, for pricing, are you just looking at, okay, I think the materials are going to cost this much, and I think I might spend 20 or 40 hours on it. I don't know how much time your dresses take. Um and then kind of like looking at like, okay, how much should I charge per hour or, and you don't have to share any numbers, but, um, yeah. or you can, if you would like, but, um, or are you like, well, a dress like this should cost this much. So I'm just going to charge this much or like, how are you really even thinking about some of those logistics? Yeah. I think pricing is one of the things I do the least well, because since I'm still quite nervous about it and I think I lack a bit of confidence in my own skills, even though I know I can produce beautiful garments, um, I'm currently pricing my products are way too low than what they should be. I think bespoke pieces are quite expensive. Yeah. Um, I always compare it to cake. I think if you want to get a custom cake and you want to choose a filling and you want to choose the kind of cake <laughs> and the decoration and everything and have a four-tiered cake, it will come out really, really expensive. And it's not something you can find um, at a superstore. And so, yeah, but I'm still waiting for that time and place where I'll say I think my product is worth this much and therefore I will charge as much or I think my own skills are worth this much so I will um, pay myself this much per hour 
Yeah. In terms of the materials, the customers will choose the materials. So I set a price and then they will um, choose the materials and I'll say, well, if you want this kind of dress, well, I need this many meters and I'll give them different options of different prices. Okay. Um, and when they're looking at the sample, they'll choose um, the materials within their price range. Okay, gotcha. But um, when I was getting advice from the person who runs the pitch events, she really gave me some good advice and she said, you have to look at your competition. So I actually walked in to one of the tailor shops um, in my town and I said, I showed them a photo of, um, of like an inspiration photo of one of the client dresses that I was making. And I asked them, like, how much would you charge to make this from scratch? Um, and they named something that was, I think, like five times what I was charging at the time. Wow. So that was a good slap in the face. Um, <laughs> Because I do think that I, especially after going to fashion school, I produce quality garments and knowing that someone would charge five times and that people do buy those kind of things, I think is it's important to understand the value of my time. Um, so yeah, it's still learning progress and I'm slowly increasing my prices and trying to find different sort of techniques and price ranges to give to different people. And I want to have, I currently only have a sort of, dress based price and then you add on your materials um but what i want to do is have different tiers so if you want to have a completely bespoke sorry bespoke piece um it'll be what it's valued at and i'm going to have a lower tier where i'm going to have a set of maybe five to ten designs where i've I'll already have the pattern and already have set fabrics that i've decided on and um my clients can just choose what kind of style they want, um, which pattern they want to use, and which fabric, which means it'll drastically decrease the amount of time that I spend looking for their fabric, looking for different styles, figuring out the pattern and things like that. So, Okay, so it's you've also, already thought a little bit about how to scale it and maybe make it affordable for different price yeah, ranges. Yeah, it's difficult because I'm a student and a lot of my friends are students and people who want dresses are students and Students usually can't afford bespoke pieces. It's not something that students buy on a regular basis. Uh, on a regular basis. Yeah. And so, for me, understanding that and understanding the budget that we all have, it's it's a little bit heartbreaking to have to charge so much money, knowing that if I was in the position of a client, I probably wouldn't be able to pay that much for a piece. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, I can't undervalue myself because if this is something that I want to do in the long run. I can't have people say, hey, I know you used to make price dresses at this price. Like, can you still do that? And I'll say, no, I'm sorry. I've increased my price and such. And and that's just part of the growing process, I think, you know. Yeah. And people will understand that. Yeah. I, yeah, I hope so. I think once I step out of my university zone and work with just different people, um, that sort of feeling of guilt of charging students um, a price sort of go away what are some of your plans to do that so you mean after university or yeah like like well not even just after university but like what have you thought about you know ways to start having clients that are not students beyond the university right now and and maybe not and that's fine but I guess I'm also just thinking bigger picture like what are some of your thoughts and plans on how to expand your market your target market yeah, it's a really good question. I don't think I'm necessarily looking to expand out of my town. I live in a very small town. Um, half the population are students. So okay. <laughs> um, so for now, I'm still looking um, to sort of stick around for now. 
Um, and I do know that there are people who are interested who not aren't necessarily clients right now, but who are saying, hey, like I'm looking to buying your pieces, one of your pieces, or um, get a custom piece. I'm just like looking at my budget and things like that, but I will in the future. So I've had a lot of sort of promises like that. So I think for now I'm okay, but definitely if after I go, um, after I graduate university, I think I'd want to move into a sort of bigger city. Okay. And so it sounds like your plan is to keep, you like doing the custom work. I do. Yeah. What do you love so much about it? Um, I'm not really sure. I just love creating. I think that's one really, really big thing. And I love that people have so much trust in what I do. Um, And I still haven't made that many custom pieces but when I do people are very very happy with it I mean so far very happy with it yeah um and it's it's lovely being able to create something that both myself and my client have sort of put together an idea of a dress and put it into physical form and for them to wear at an event and just yeah I think I really really just love creating which is why I love also making costumes and I love creating pieces for myself to wear and I think that's all something I'll continue yeah how does the design process work? Do they like show you a picture or you do some sketching or like how do you guys figure out what the dress is actually going to be? So I tell them to have a quick look at my website and see what kind of styles or designs that they've liked so far. They usually come with a brief idea of what they like or like what kind of styles they want to um, explore. So sometimes they'll say, you know, I really want a long dress with a halter neck. Um, and that's sort of all I have. So we'll talk about different options. I'll say what I think is nice. It will fit the body. And, um, yeah, sometimes I'll do a quick sketch, sort of show them what they could potentially have um, and really just go from there. And then you do you do, like, some type of prototype or muslin or you go directly? I do. Okay. I do. Yeah, I usually make a muslin to make sure the fit is correct. Okay. Yeah. And then you mentioned that there's not great access to fabric where you live and that you started using a lot of secondhand materials from charity shops. Yes. Um, so is that also what you do for all your clients and you just, like, you find the, some of these miscellaneous materials and you keep them in stock or they go out shopping with you? Um, I do have a, quite a large stock of just beautiful fabrics that I found in charity shops. Okay. So far, my, none of my clients have chosen that. Um, because they have a pretty clear idea of what kind of fabrics they want. And since they're formal wear, it's usually quite silky or sparkly, and that's not something I can usually find. I personally don't mind wearing something that's a little rough on my skin or uncomfortable to wear. Okay, like a um, for the sake of, <laughs> yeah, yeah, for the sake of um, finding cheaper materials. But if I think clients are, if they're looking for something that they're going to invest a lot of money in, then... They usually go um, for proper fabric, which I find online. Ah, um, okay, gotcha. Yeah. yeah. Gotcha. And so um, so you figure out the idea through maybe some sketches and some photos and what stuff you've already made, and then you do a prototype with the muslin yeah. and make sure you're on the right track, and then, and then what? We'll get back to this episode in 20 seconds, but real quick, did you know that the SFD podcast is sponsored by you? We don't interrupt your listening experience with ads and instead rely on your support. There are three ways you can do that. One, tell a friend about the podcast. Two, sign up for the email list at soheidi.com slash email. That's S-E-W-H-E-I-D-I dot com slash email. Three, write a review on Apple Podcasts. 
Thanks so much for supporting the SFD podcast. Now back to the episode. And then their fabric comes and I make it out of their fabric. Yeah. <laughs> and then we'll usually have one last fitting to make sure everything's like fit correctly before I close any seams or put in the zipper and things like that. And then we'll have a final, final fitting of the final garment. And if they're happy with it, they'll pay me and they'll take it home. That's amazing. And how long does the whole process usually take? For me, it really depends on the dress because some dresses I'm already comfortable making because I know the shape and the style. Sometimes it's brand new to me. So I spend a lot of time drafting the dress. But I would say a minimum of 30 hours I'd spend between researching, sketching, sending them different things, um, ordering things online, um, cutting fabric, making the pattern and such. Yeah. So probably at least like a two to four week turnaround. Yeah. Depending on how many clients you have too. Yeah. I usually tell them I'll try to make it under um, a month. Okay. But um, a lot of clients, especially if they're my friends, they'll say, I need this dress by this specific date. Sure. So some clients, will, the entire process will be a little bit slower. Um, and also, we're all students. We're all extremely busy. So sometimes they'll say, I'm so sorry, I can't come in for a fitting this week. Can I come next week? Because I've got so much going on. Um, so yeah, it really depends on the piece. Right. And then that th- their schedule kind of can delay the process a little bit, too. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay, gotcha. I was just trying to get a rough yeah. idea. Yeah. Um, Okay, so you talked to us a little bit earlier about how you have some ideas of, like, okay, making some different pricing tiers of, like, okay, this is fully bespoke, or I have this assortment of five or ten sort of base pieces, and we can do some customization. Um, What else do you have planned? And and I'm curious to know, like, when you graduate, so you're in your third year right now, so you have one more year, so you'll graduate 2021? Yes, 2021. Okay. Okay, gotcha. And so... After that, um, or, you know, I mean, you're obviously doing it right now, like as you continue to go through and finish school, what are your plans? Do you, is your goal to turn this into like a full-time business and like really be up and running this um, once you graduate? Or what are you thinking about for the future? Yeah, that's definitely one of my options. I think what I do want to do is I'm going to go back to fashion school next summer in 2020. Okay. Um, take some level two classes. I really, really just enjoy the process of learning um, everything about fashion. And I think after I graduate, I might go back to school um, in Boston and finish to get either the certificate or the diploma. I do want to go in a bit more of um, a design path. Um, I've actually got an opportunity to showcase a collection at a fashion show in February. Wow. How did you get that opportunity? Yeah. So the person who's doing the creative um, I think she's a creative director of one of the fashion shows that are happening at my university. She also did some theater work, and she saw one of the shows that I made a lot of costumes for, and I think she saw my website and everything, and she said, hey, like I'd love to showcase some of your pieces. They often get um, proper fashion students who have studied fashion for a couple of years and who have already have collections, so they'll receive their pieces for a couple of days, show them at the fashion show, and then give it back to them. In my case, it's different because I get to design and create a collection around their theme. And yeah, just create something for them specifically, which is going to be something that's quite exciting, um, time consuming, but exciting. <laughs> yeah, that's very cool. And who's um, the show through? Is it through um, the university? Yeah, so the university itself have a couple of student run charity fashion shows. Oh, okay. Um, and yeah, it's all run by students. They, I think, I'm not sure how much money they make, but it make quite a lot of money. Um, 
the models are all students and they make money through ticket sales and different sponsorships and they donate it all to charity. Oh, very cool. Yeah. Very cool. Wow, you have so much going on and you've... I know. Yeah. I'm a little bit scared. <laughs> no, no, no. It's great though. And like what I really admire about your you and your, your story and everything that, that has happened so far, and I know there's so much more to come, but is that you have like just really put yourself out there on so many different levels which is where most of it it sounds like most of your opportunities have come from you started making the dresses yourself and then wearing them and then talking about them and then you got really involved in the costume department and you were making stuff and someone saw your costumes and really liked them and that initiated this next opportunity and it's like sometimes it's a matter of like just putting yourself out there and doing the thing and then and having conversations about it right and connecting with people Yeah. Um, yeah I mean, we could say networking, but I know nobody likes that word. <laughs> but it kind of is just about like doing the thing and putting yourself out there and having those conversations, and then that's what creates these opportunities that yeah. you keep getting. It's actually really interesting because I think all of this happened be- not because I was sort of chasing money or success. Everything happened because I was doing things that I loved. Yeah. Um, and just like everything that made me happy, I think I sort of chased it. And interesting story about my fashion school is. I visited Boston in spring break of 2019 because some of my best friends from middle school and high school were studying there and I hadn't seen one of my best friends for, I think, almost three years. And so I said, it's time. I'm going to go see her. So I spent two weeks in Boston. And I actually really, really liked it. And I thought, you know what? I love my friends. I love the city. I'm going to stay. What should I do here? And then that's when I sort of turned to fashion school. So it didn't even come from a place of necessarily wanting to be a super successful fashion designer. It came from a place of really loving specific things about a city and deciding to sort of anchor myself there for a couple of months. Yeah. How, um, on another note in terms of anchoring yourself places, how did you wind up in Scotland from Tokyo? Um, So... I had an education in English, mostly, so I was looking for university. I was looking for an English-speaking country with universities that taught in English. Okay. Um, I wasn't necessarily interested in going to America at that time because it was just so far away. And I know Scotland is far away as well, but I have family in France. Uh. So staying in Europe sort of made sense. My sister had studied in England as well, and she's currently living in England as well, so I wanted to be close to her. So in terms of English-speaking countries, um, the UK sort of made sense. Um, and I wanted, I knew I wanted to do business, so I looked up the best business school in the UK, and um, this is why I'm here. Oh, okay. Um, so, so you clearly don't have a big fear of, like, just jumping into another country. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe you do and no. you just deal with it. <laughs> no, I. It, this is one of my, I think, biggest, I mean, the, one of the greatest things that my parents did. We moved around quite a lot when I was little, so uh. that sort of fear never existed. And I think I'm really, really privileged in the sense that I moved around a lot. And, yeah, just moving around places and make meeting new people and just experiencing different things bring me a lot of joy. Okay. I love that. Um, yeah. So what are some of the things that you're learning? And, I mean, it sounds like you're in a really, really great business program. What are some of the things you're learning in business school that you're able to apply to your dress business? And on that note, do, does it have a? Does your business have a name? It does. It's called No Eye Dresses. No Eye Dresses. No, yeah, N-O-E with an accent on the E. 
Okay, gotcha. Um, so no so, addresses. Yeah. No addresses. Um, what are you um, learning in business school that you're you're able to apply to to building this business? I think the biggest thing that I'm taking away so far from my business course is confidence. And I know this sounds a little bit ridiculous and I should be learning specific things, <laughs> but just the idea of knowing that I'm learning something about business and that I'm in surrounded by different people who have worked for different businesses and such really sort of gave me the confidence and told, I was able to tell myself that if I'm ever going to build a business right now is the appropriate time and I have the proper resources. Yeah. So I don't think this one thing specifically that I learned that was really useful, which is, I guess being surrounded by different ideas and business ideas and case studies and such that really gave me the confidence to kickstart um, no addresses. Yeah, and it sounds like that's a theme for you because you made a similar comment in regards to going to the the fashion school program in Boston was yeah. that it like gave you the confidence to feel like, yeah. actually, I do know what I'm doing. I'm a designer. I can do this pattern, so on and so forth. Yeah. So obviously there's tangible skills you're learning, but like yeah. high level, the biggest thing you're taking away from it is like, no, I, I got this. I know what I'm doing. Yeah. And sort of even saying I do a business degree sort of shows people that you're serious about running your own business. Yeah. And I think that also plays a big part. Yeah. So you said after you graduate or, or I don't know, um, I know you said you want to do some more fashion schooling. Yeah. Um, I imagine that would be somewhere outside of where you are in Scotland. I think I would go back to my school in Boston. Okay. Will you? Okay. Yeah. So do the program next summer, but then beyond that, maybe do something even bigger there after you graduate college altogether. Yeah. So I'm currently like taking little classes during the summer, but that accumulates to become a de- um, not a degree, but a diploma or a certificate, uh, depending okay. on how long I do. Yeah. Gotcha. So I think I'm just gonna take little bits of classes, and then um, maybe I'll be able to graduate that school in like a year and a half. Okay. After yeah. after you graduate from Scotland in twenty twenty one, okay, yeah, gotcha, and and keep doing your dress business as it goes and and building as it comes and slowly gaining the confidence to you know maybe raise your prices a little bit and and yeah. find other clients and go from there. Yeah, really, and I'd love to take it to different countries as well because I I do know that people ask for a specific design and a style while I'm here at university. But I'm interested to see what my friends in Japan will want or what people in America would want in terms of design and dresses. So I really do want, hope to take it a little bit all over the world. Yeah. How often do you get back to Japan? About twice a year. So, yeah, this summer I was only able to spend about three weeks because most of it I spent it in Boston. Uh Um, But this winter break I should be back for about five weeks. Okay. So... And are you going to yeah, try to do some work while you're there with some clients? I think so, yeah. Um, I do have my fashion show to work towards, but I do want to have a couple of clients. I, there were a couple of people who have told me in the past that they would love to um, buy some pieces for me. So um, if, there's, if there's a demand, then I'll definitely try to yeah. provide. Yeah. And right now everything you do is custom? Yes. Okay. So there's no way to go on your site and, and just get something? No. Okay. Gotcha. Um, awesome. Well, what what other parts of your story did did we not touch on? Anything big that I'm missing? Um, not necessarily. Okay. I think. Yeah, it is important to know that this is something that I spend a lot of time doing, <laughs> and I think my flatmates would know that I'm constantly just cutting fabrics and patterns. Um. Yeah. 
That's amazing. I'm so I'm yeah. so impressed with what you've been able to achieve at such a young age and while Thank in school you so much. and like just navigating life and figuring out what's going on out there. Yeah. Um, it's really, really impressive to hear your story and I can't wait to catch up with you in the future to see, you know, the the continued progress that you've had. Yeah, um, I'd love that. Yeah. Where can everybody find you and connect with you online? Yeah, so my website is noedresses.com, so N-O-E dresses.com. Okay, awesome. Um, and that's the same for my Facebook and Instagram. Okay. So, yeah, that's really where they can find me. Perfect. We will link to all of that in the show notes. And Thank I would, you. Yeah, of course. I would love to end with the question I ask everybody at the end of the interview, and that is... Yes. <laughs> you know, because you've listened. I do know. <laughs> yeah, what is one thing you wish people asked you about working in fashion that they don't? Um, this might not be specifically related to fashion itself, okay. but I wish people asked me more what I would tell my younger self oh. um, in terms of fashion. And I think I would answer that by saying sort of keep going because there's so many times where I feel stuck and this is advice I still give myself constantly, but there's so many times where I feel like I don't know where I'm going or I'm stuck, but I think just keep working on what you're doing. Actually, before I took my very first client, I spent um, my winter break back home and I had very little to do. I wasn't really working. I was sewing, but I had gotten to a point where I was sewing 12 hours a day and I'd completely burnt out. Yeah. So I said, in terms of business, what can I do? I'm not taking any clients just yet. What is something I can do? And I decided to try to grow my Instagram page. So I just took a lot of photos of things I'd made duck through all the boxes of things that I'd made in the past and things that I don't necessarily wear, but things that, you know, would sort of look good on camera. And I did a lot of photo shoots just on my own and um, just showing different pieces to, to different people. Not only showed people what I could do, but I got a lot of positive feedback, which once again sort of led back to the idea of confidence where I realized, hold on, people actually like what I do and what I've created and what I've designed which is what led me to um, want to take off my first, take on my first client. So, yeah, I think really, like, even if you feel stuck or that you're not actually doing anything or that you don't have a business just yet, I think keep going at what you're doing, and at one point, the light bulb will switch on. Yeah, that's that was a great answer. I've gotten, <laughs> Thank you. I've heard a lot of answers, obviously, um, and and they're all usually pretty good. Um, but I, I can tell you kind of thought that out, and I love the yeah. What would you tell your younger self? And it is yeah. just keep going because you just don't know like what's the next thing around the corner. And also, I love the comment of like I was spending all this time making what did you say like twelve hours a day sewing. Yeah, and during, during when I'm at home, that's usually yeah, what it is. Like, wait, what can I do to maybe do something a little bit different? Or, you know, your business mind yeah. kind of kicked in and putting yourself out there on Instagram. Um, and again, it kind of kickstarted your confidence to... Yeah, and actually working on my Instagram made me realize that I really wanted to present my pieces in a more beautiful way. Um, and that's why I decided to make my business, my sorry, my website earlier this year. Okay. Because I wanted a platform solely for people to look at my pieces. And the thing about Instagram is that it's all chronological. So if I have something that I really, really like that I create and I post it and I post a bunch of photos afterwards, people will have a difficult time finding it. So I wanted to separate my casual pieces, my formal pieces, my costume work and things like that. So, yeah, it really, it came from a place of 
sort of being stuck in a little bit of boredom to saying I really should do something about it. And that led to a lot of positive things. Yeah. And then, but, the, but like, not just saying I should do something about it, but then actually doing something about it. Cause it's easy yeah. to like have the idea, but then like actually saying like, no, I'm going to take action on this. I'm going to do it. Yeah. That's amazing. Awesome. It Thank has been you. so phenomenal to chat with you, Noemi. Absolutely. And Thank you so much. Yeah, it's been great to hear your story. And I know there's so many listeners out there who, um, you know, might be in similar positions still in school and trying to figure out, like, what they can do to kickstart. And I love how organically your your success has grown. And I think there's tons of things out there that people will be able to take away from this conversation. So thank, thank you for you. sharing. That's wonderful. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Successful Fashion Designer Podcast. And a big shout out to two people behind the scenes that make the show possible. My husband, Mark, who does all the tech editing and makes sure that the audio sounds good, as well as my right-hand woman, Tara, who does a kick-ass job to make sure that the show gets published, to make sure that the guests are all lined up, and so much more behind the scenes that you don't see. Uh, But there is a lot that goes into the production of this show. So thank you, Mark and Tara. We would not be doing this without you. Um, And as well as thank you to you again for listening. Your support as you guys tune in really, really does mean the world. Um, If you enjoy this episode and iTunes or Apple Podcasts uh, review does go very, very, very far. So take 30 seconds and hop into Apple Podcasts and write us a review if you think we deserve one. We do really appreciate that. And as a last quick reminder, SFD is way more than just a podcast. To get access to the best free resources I have to help you get ahead in the fashion industry, head on over to SoHeidi.com slash email. It's S-E-W-H-E-I-D-I.com slash email. And I will send you my best free resources on things like tech packs, portfolios, landing your dream job, launching your fashion brand, all of that sort of stuff in one swoop. Uh, As always, if you'd like to learn more about any of the resources we mentioned in this episode, check out the show notes wherever you're listening. Thanks so much, and I'll talk to you in the next Successful Fashion Designer Podcast episode.